Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass? So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, and welcome to Near and Queer to My Heart. I'm your host, Amanda G., Always excited to be here, always excited to bring you our best. This is one of five episodes that we recorded at the Midwest Queer Comedy Festival in Columbus, Ohio. Those were so great. It was so great being a part of a queer festival, and then it's so great bringing pieces of that home and bringing them to all of you guys out there and, and sharing this experience in this world in all these different viewpoints and all these different ways. And that's really cool, and we're really excited to do that. Before we get started, I you know, there's a lot of shit happening in the world, and we can we can get into that. We're trying to stay positive, trying to focus on, on the future and things that we can focus on and we can make better and we can love each other and make everyone just feel comfortable in the world. But before we get to that, I do have to say, you know, I try not to bring up sad things. I really do. But I do think it's something that I, you know, need to acknowledge. Uh, my best friend's mother, Isabel, passed away this week. And I had gone there in Los Angeles. And I was fortunate enough to be able to, to take a trip to L.A. to see her before she passed away and to be there, you know, with the family and try my best to show them love and support. And, you know, Isabel, I know it was a tough struggle. And I hope you're in a, a better place. And uh, I felt very fortunate to see that you were surrounded by friends and family and love even in the hardest moments. So like I said, I know, I know it's sad, but I just, I, I just want to acknowledge it. And this is my place where, you know, I can acknowledge these things and just share them with everybody. So in other news, we'll, you know, change it up a little bit. In other news, I, uh, I'm going to be traveling a little bit for some comedy. So I don't know where you're listening from, but if you're listening from one of these places, come say hi or shoot me a message. I will be at the Crossroads Comedy Festival the 13th to the 15th of October, and that's in Indianapolis, Indiana. I'll be in Baton Rouge on the 24th of October, and then for Black Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, that's November 23rd, and hopefully the 24th, I will be in Little Rock, Arkansas, trying to bring that comedy to you. Otherwise, if you're in New Orleans, let's have some fun together. And right now, let's have some fun with Kendra Dossie. Kendra Dossie was so fun to interview. Just great overall comedian and person and smart as fuck and funny as fuck and just really great. It was really great to just sit down with her and get to know her a little bit. And I really hope that y'all enjoy that as well. So let's get to it. Kendra Dossie. With Kendra Dossie. Hi. Yes. Did I say it right? You did say my name right. Like it, it seems great. pretty. It seems like one of those names that's like exactly how it's spelled out. But maybe people it's always not. think it's like Kendrick Dawson. It's like <laughs> too similar to more conventional names. Yeah. Since Kendrick Lamar came out, are people like, oh, you must be Ken? Like they might. Do they read it that way? Or not so much now. There was a lot of like Dossie. Do you mean like Dawson's Creek? And when I was younger, <laughs> and I'm like, I don't. No. At all. 
You're like, it has a Y at the end of it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's different. Cool. Well, we're both here at the uh, Midwest Queer Comedy Fest, and I got to, we were on uh, the same show last night, yes, which yeah. was an awesome show. You were hilarious. Yeah, so were you. It was really fun. It was like, it was awesome to see everyone do their thing, and usually, I feel like usually when I do comedy shows, I am around people who are either, I already know all of their set, or I, no offense to them, just don't find them that entertaining, so it was great to be in a space where I was like really excited to see any everyone, and everyone delivered fantastically so yeah that's what i love about festivals yeah i i knew like three of the people from just you know seeing them coming through new orleans or through other festivals and then everyone's new to me and i also i think also when you know that there's a festival you know people were picked like we all submitted our videos and our headshots and our uh, i think they make us do our twitters and you know yeah (laughs) see how bad our social media is (laughs) but then so it's like i just feel like there's something in like that we were chosen to do this which is kind of cool yeah definitely but uh where do you live now I live in New Haven, Connecticut. Um, It is a town that there's some stuff going on, but, you know, not a lot of people care about it. So it's not. (laughs) Yeah. I was like, how big is New Haven? I don't know anything about anything in Connecticut, to be honest. Yeah. It's uh, yeah. That's why I usually start my set with like talking a little bit about Connecticut, especially if I'm not performing there because no one really knows what it is. New Haven is about, I think, 100,000 people. Um, it is a small city. It's pretty urban, I would say. It's actually really diverse. There's a lot of immigrants from different places, lots of refugees. Um, Yale University is also, also there. And then there's also like very, it's a huge, there's a lot of income inequality in New Haven. But I've been living there for like nine years and it's it's pretty chill. What brought cool. you there? I went to Yale. I went into Yale and then I spent a little bit of time abroad after I graduated and then I came back. Because there was like, because actually the job opportunities in New Haven was like better than my hometown, which is sad because New Haven does not have good, it doesn't have the best job market. But I'm sure. Um, but you have a Yale yeah. degree. Like that's, you know, that's worldwide yeah. shit. Yeah. No, yeah. Yeah. I also like wanted to be in kind of a specific area. So I do environmental education. I hope no one listening tries to find my job, but I guess it's fine <laughs> if they do. What exactly do you do though? It's part-time, but it's like 30 hours a week. So I'm doing it like a little bit every day. And I maintain outdoor learning spaces in New Haven public schools, as well as like do training for teachers so that they're really comfortable um, teaching kids outside and stuff. So it's cool. That's cool. Yeah, I really do like it. Y'all do during winter. We So we do a lot of trainings for people, trainings for teachers. There's a lot of just like kind of making sure that like moving all the teaching indoors. So sometimes like we'll be like, hey, like if you don't want to be outside, which is understandable because winter in Connecticut is awful. We could do some like things indoors that will like enhance the learning when the gardens are back in, in bloom. Yeah, so it's... Is it's that, actually pretty busy. Are you an outdoors person? Like Yeah, I, I like outdoors. I um so I was originally an environmental studies major and I got into it because I have a lot of background in like food and agriculture in terms of working. Like I, I did a farm internship, I like volunteered at different farms and I wanted to continue that. Yeah, I don't know. I'm one of those bad lesbians that I'm like, I hate camping, <laughs> I freaking hate the outside. I was so so I was telling this to someone I think right after I did my farm internship. I like modified nature, which is why I liked farms, because it was like, okay, I know all the plants. I'm interacting with the plants, but I like I could see all the plants. If there's a bug, I know what to do with it. But like dense woods nature, it took me a little bit to get used to. Like now I could like enjoy a hike, but 
camping, I do get a little bit. I mean, I could do it for a little bit. I do get antsy yeah no I'm like a glamping person and even that yeah. I'm like why would why don't we just stay home like why <laughs> like, are we like or go to a hotel a nice hotel yeah yeah no I, I definitely get like that. I was sitting in the backyard of where I'm staying today and there was like one giant ant and I was like I'm done like, <laughs> I, just, <laughs> like I can't do it yeah bugs are bugs can be weird I try to encourage people like students I'm try I try to say like hey it's helping out nature like it's helping the plants grow and they're so like ew yeah and some of them can kill you and I don't <laughs> I know like you can tell me like this spider is like a totally safe spider I don't mm. believe you yeah well I'm sure in Louisiana there's probably I feel like the further, the closer to the equator you get, the more things are likely to kill you. And they're disgusting looking. Like, I had never yeah. seen roaches till I moved there. Really? Yeah, and I have this weird... You lived in New York. You didn't see roaches in New York? Wait, no. what? <laughs> where, were, where were you staying in New York? Shit. Well, no, actually, I, I have seen them in New York, but okay. I first saw them in, in New Orleans. So. Okay, okay. Yeah, but we'll, we'll get to New York. Yeah, no, one time I was actually in New York. I was, I was at a gym. This is when I used to work out, which was a, a decade ago. And I was doing sit-ups. It was in the basement. It was like yeah. a, a gym in a basement somewhere. Uh-huh. Um, and I was doing sit-ups and a roach like went over my foot. And I oh, literally went from sit-up position to like straight up. And I just fucking left. <laughs> I, I was like, my workout is over today. I would do that too. Like the heartbeat. That yeah. inc- the heartbeat increase from the roach crawling over your foot was probably enough. Oh, yeah. You it burnt was, lots of calories. It, it was it was a lot. And I looked like a crazy person. Because if you were just <laughs> watching me, I was doing sit-ups. And then I just was, like, out the door. Like, People don't need to know yeah. your history in your life. They don't... Yeah. They, they could just judge from the inside, all the haters. They don't know about the roach that was over your foot. It was also New York, so no one probably gave a shit what I was doing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're, They're all like, we absorbed. see all types of people all the time, and we also don't care about anybody but ourselves. <laughs> That's a bad... I don't know. I feel like in New York, it's one of those places where like people love being around people, but they yeah. don't. Like They also hate it. It's, were you in Manhattan? I feel like I, different boroughs have different I was in flavors. Queens. Okay. Um, I went to school at St. John's, which okay. is like the Queens-Long yeah. Island border. And then mm-hmm. one um, year, I was like, I have to live on Manhattan. Like, if I do anything in my life, like, I have – if I'm in New York, I might as well live there. So I yeah. had um, an, a, a converted living room in an apartment on 53rd and 7th. Classic, is, classic New York living. Yeah, <laughs> right by Times Square. It was $850 a month, included everything, which okay. – in Manhattan is fucking amazing. Yeah, it really is. But it had no windows to the outside. But it was right above the E train. It was like right by Times Square. So I, you know, I was in school, so I'd study sometimes till like three, four in the morning. And then I just go walk to Times Square. And that was like the coolest fucking feeling ever because people are out and there's life and culture. And that is really cool. That's what some people say. I felt it was culture because it's like people from all over that are just there to share this experience. Yeah. But then it's also like, getting groped on the subway which happened uh, more often than i think should have oh, and damn. you know th- like just being harassed by people and yeah uh one time a homeless guy cl- clotheslined me on the subway just because i walked by him like it's you know oh. all these like crazy God things happened where i was like oh this is stressful and then when yeah. you go to the south everyone's like super friendly and just says hi to say hi and yeah which, like, as someone who grew up in the New York metropolitan area, I'm so suspicious of people being nice to me, which is very unfortunate. And, yeah, probably just, like, a product of where I grew up. But, yeah, I'm used to... I'm not going to say... Well, there's a part of me that does feel at home if people are, like, acting slightly standoffish to me. 
which, uh, I mean, clotheslining, that's intense. Most New Yorkers will just, like, sneer at you slightly and then or stare through you. They usually don't clothesline. Yeah, and, like, 20 people saw it happen, and literally yeah. nobody did anything. And I'm 5'2", yeah. and this guy was probably, like, a little over 6 feet tall. Oh, wow. Was definitely at least 50 pounds heavier than me, maybe more. Yeah. yeah. And, like, everyone just, like, pretended like they didn't see it. And I'm that's... like, I know somebody in this fucking subway train saw this shit. Yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, a, you know, I get to talk about it on a podcast. Yeah, so. that's true. Makes for a good story. Where in New York did you live? Was it you were, grew up there? I grew up um, in a town that was an hour north of New York City. What's it called? Um, no no one's going to know what it is. <laughs> it's it's like the name, it like Voldemort's name. It's above Westchester. Okay. Yeah, just in the next uh, county up. But yeah, it was a very small town, and I have a joke about it in my set, and when I perform in that general area, like above New York City, people are able to figure out what what it is, like just based on those three things, which is funny. But yeah, it was it was it's fine. Like suburbs, <laughs> suburbs, or like yeah, country, it was, or it was suburbs. It was pretty suburban. And you enjoyed growing up there, like no, uh, yeah, no, I didn't really enjoy growing up there, and that's why I think that's why. Um, I was really looking forward to college and like being in, I mean, New Haven, like I said, it's a small city, but it definitely, there's just like more going on. And I know, and there's a lot of people who grew up in New York City and they go to New Haven, they're like, oh, this is boring. But like New Haven was infinitely more interesting than where I grew up, which is probably, probably shows how boring where I grew up was because there was actually like not really anything to do. Average, average Friday night was like, getting high and eating some mcdonald's in the parking lot i had a I had a friend whose brother was arrested for just doing donuts in the <laughs> mcdonald's parking lot is that like, illegal it was i probably just seemed kind of suspicious to see a car just <laughs> going really they fast they should understand like, um, if that's the biggest problem they have if like the police actually want to do the paperwork to arrest somebody for doing donuts yeah it wasn't there wasn't really that much um going on it was known for having a good school system which is why my parents moved there but it was, uh, yeah, it was boring. Yeah, I have the same story. I, I lived in the San Clarita, which at the time was the third yeah. safest city in California. Oh, wow. And okay. I was like, Mom, when I was older, I was like, Mom, why the fuck did we move here? This is terrible. It's so boring. Yeah. And, you know, it's so homogenized. Like, I, I yeah. just hated the cookie cutterness of it. And she's mm-hmm. like, but it was safe. And, like, that was her big thing because, like, yeah. she, you know, as a parent was like, I want to raise my kids where there's good schools and where it's safe. And she's like, yeah, it's boring, but, like, you didn't get kidnapped or die. And I was like, yeah, no, that's... (laughs) That's true. (laughs) But I also could have here. (laughs) Like, I don't think that's, like, an exclusive thing. Yes, yeah. Um, I mean, there was definitely... Like, I have a joke in my set about now how my town has an opiate addiction, not... Or epidemic, which sounds like an awful thing to joke about, but... San Clarita's a meth town now, so... Yeah, and I think that's something that I've noticed happens in a lot of towns that are kind of like more suburban and there's not like a huge economy and stuff is that people will just do some drugs and it's like, okay, like, I mean, it's more of like people have the money to kind of like keep social problems themselves. So if someone's like addicted to pills, but they have a beautiful house, they could just stay in their house or like they probably have the money to afford rehab as opposed to if you're in a inner city where there's not as much, uh, there's not as much, like, people don't have the money to, you know, kind of hide away their problems than, like, you might see someone nodding out on the street. But, um, I mean, there's probably just as much crime, if not more. There's, yeah, there was, like, a few incidents in my high school where people, like, were driving high and, like, flipped over a car and, like, stuff like that. So it's not like, 
I yeah. mean, there was no, I don't think there was any kidnapping. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it's not like completely like everything's great. Yeah, no, I like how our parents were like, no, we just moved here and then nothing's going to happen. And I'm like, no, 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 like life's still going to happen. Yeah, yeah, things still and happen. sometimes people might go to those places because they know they have money and, you know, people that are willing to pay for good shit, you know, yeah. or whatever. But, um, oh, I did have a question for you. Oh, yeah. It, <laughs> I always like talk and then I distract myself. And, <laughs> and I'm like, I did have a point here. I don't write anything down. I just like to, you know, because like yeah. I saw your set and I've, you know, talked to you today. Like that's, yeah. and I really, I like that, like kind of organic, like getting to know you as a person. Because yeah. I've seen your stand up. So I have like a glimpse of, like I knew you grew up a little north of like New York City. And yeah. I know you mentioned opiates and like those kinds of things. But were you, were you religious growing up? Was your family? No, no, they were all like lapsed. Baptist uh my grandmother's like so my grandmother grew up in Alabama on my dad's side um and I think she's she goes to church but I feel like especially living in the south she's in Atlanta now it's more of like a community thing and not necessarily like oh if you do this you're gonna go to hell so no one in my family is like really that intense yeah I was when you said Baptist I was like someone's from the south (laughs) yeah yeah southern yeah yeah absolutely you have any siblings no I am an only child and Mm -hmm. I am incredibly selfish no I (laughs) I don't think I'm that bad a lot of people will say to me like oh I couldn't tell that you're an only child which I guess is a compliment that is a compliment (laughs) they meant like you can share (laughs) yes I I have shared before like you were not forced as a child to share but you can share yeah I grew up with some of my uh some of my cousins lived with me for a little bit so that might have helped but I remember like not sharing with them when they lived with me <laughs> I have a younger brother and I didn't share a goddamn thing with him he yeah. had to fight for everything <laughs> I, it doesn't matter <laughs> I think I think sometimes if you have a sibling it makes you like more I was like nope yeah yeah for sure yeah so I'm fine. <laughs> um, and this is a question I asked everybody, and mm-hmm. uh, it's going to sound I, – I never know how to ask it the right way because I'm just going to, like, vomit it out onto you, and then you can take okay. it piece by piece, or you can answer it all at once. But mm-hmm. um, I think, you know, uh, the coming out experience is, is such an important, you know, part of uh, at least who I am, and I feel like a lot of queer, especially queer performers. Yeah. But I know there's, like, not one moment of coming out, you know? So the yeah. question is in rapid uh, rapid fire form, <laughs> when did you come out to yourself? Uh, yeah. When did you come out to your friends and family and when did you come out as a performer yeah um oh come out as a performer not like like... on stage like did you were you always like talking about you know being queer on stage or was that something that came with like as you started you know getting more into your set yeah cool I I told you it's a lot yeah this (laughs) but that's okay I never know how to ask it in pieces because I don't want to like divide it up because I also think sometimes they're tied together yeah definitely uh and I love talking about myself so this is fine (laughs) uh I came out to myself um when I was like 14 uh around 14 and I um I had always, like, been interested in, like, dating girls, I guess, because I was 14 and I was also a girl. Um, and, like, I I had always been, like, attracted to women by thought that was just normal. And I was like, oh, I'll probably just, like, get, like, married or, whatever, you know, to a guy. Um, and I remember when I was, like, younger, I thought, oh, maybe I'm bi, but I don't know. And then I, like, continued playing with Barbie dolls. It was such an (laughs) interesting thing. But um, when I was in high school, I think this was, like, beginning of my sophomore year, um, I had recently got out of my first relationship, which was with a guy. And I remember during that relationship, I was like, oh, it would be cool if I could, like, date a girl. Like, 
if like there was if I could like if a girl was like hey I want to date you then I'd totally break up with this guy and like date this girl and then I realized oh that probably means like you're queer if you have this reoccurring interest yeah and I was like oh shit um and I uh yeah I guess there was like there's so many narratives about like coming out so I was like oh like this is something I need to tell people or and at the time I didn't identified as bi and I like told some of my friends in high school like I think in the spring of that same year but then my friend group completely changed how did everyone react Uh, most people were like oh it's fine which was nice but it was also like so growing up where I did, I feel like there was, it wasn't like explicit homophobia, but I still felt a lot of guilt and shame about like expressing my interest in girls and women. And I felt like very, it felt like it was perverted, even though it obviously wasn't. I And I think it was because even though people were like, oh yeah, it's fine. No one would like follow up with me with it. I mean, we were all teens, so it's not like people know how to, you know, treat know how to like accommodate and care for someone who like revealed a big part of themselves you know but no one like really talked about it it seems like a lot of friends of my friends like were kind of like oh whatever I had one friend that was like oh you're bi at least you're not like a gross lesbian and I like <laughs> gross lesbian and uh and now I am so thanks <laughs> Melissa what does Riley that even mean I don't know are there non-gross lesbians or is she just like everybody's a gross lesbian we stopped talking <laughs> um, I'm not <laughs> like, sure I never found that answer because that was the answer was like we're not friends <laughs> yeah so it was just a lot of like weird stuff like that and I still identified as bi and I remember but I think I mean I think for some people by it's not it's not a stepping stone of identity I think it's more of like so many women don't realize that you could live a life separate like completely separate from men so I think I was like oh I'm bi because like why would I not date guys for a long time growing up and like I mean there weren't there were also like not that many openly gay women in my, or any, I don't think there were any. So I changed my friend group and I hung out with the gay stoners, but we like all were not out to each other, but we all really liked Ellen Page and like (laughs) Lindsay Lohan and Samantha Ronson. And then at the end of high school, me and a close group of friends, or me and two of my friends, um, who are now dating, they're still dating at this moment. Uh, uh, We all came out to each other as gay and like different, points of the summer before we went to college and that was cool and it was also like nice to I don't know that was that was nice that was I think one of the first times where I felt comfortable expressing like desire with women and not even in like oh she has like nice boobs but like oh I really like this girl like oh like she's cute like wow like girls are just like very generic stuff that I didn't feel comfortable saying yeah so that's that's coming out and then once I got to college I was like I am not going to go back into that fucking closet my entire time in college, I was pretty out. I feel like it was so cool that, like, you, you know, to kind of realize it to yourself. Because I feel like we all maybe realized it, but, like, kind of were like, no, 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 no. And then finally, yeah. like, it gets to a point within us where we're like, yeah, no, this is what, this is what's up. Yeah. And you did that. And then you also were like, I'm going to tell people. Yeah. Like, you had that piece where I was like, nope. Nope, we're not going to talk about this. And, you know, we're just going to let this sit inside forever and just be really yeah. weird in locker rooms. Like, <laughs> that was my plan. So that, I think that's really cool that you did that. And you're like, now I'm going to tell people. And yeah. you felt comfortable enough in, in that. Uh, yeah, I, I I tried to. Well, I feel like it was more, I did it because people, that's kind of the narrative. Like, you find out you're gay and then you tell people. That's why, so I was like, as, <laughs> as someone who 
is now gay adjacent. I need to tell people. And I, I guess I like also, I, well, I didn't figure it would help with dating prospects, but you know, like you also want to be close to your friends. And I'm like, oh, this is probably an important thing my friends should know. So yeah, but I was still, I was still very awkward about it. And like, I think, I feel like that's like a queer woman experience being awkward in a locker room. Even I was like, they could tell that I'm gay. Yeah. <laughs> if no. I even glance at one boo by accident, they'll all know. And yeah, I always I always had in my head that I'm like that if I do that they're gonna think I'm gay. Yeah. And then I'm like, why why am I th-? and this was even before I said to myself like I'm gay. I'm like, why yeah. am I even thinking this? But I had that extra process all the time. Yeah. And I'd have friends that like we'd be in this, you know, shopping in the mall. They're like, just come in the dressing room with me, don't wait for another one. And I was like, No, absolutely <laughs> not. And I'm like, what is wrong with you? <laughs> yeah, that was a uh, that was kind of me in like locker rooms. So I'm like, oh no, like no, we can't. I'm like, I'll just be late. Like everyone get out. <laughs> they go in the stall and change and just like I just feel more comfortable in, in here yeah 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 that's definitely yeah and I feel I feel like there is so much shame around it oh like they'll know or like they'll think I'm gross or if like I change and it's like in a locker room now I'm not gonna be like trying to check out everyone's ass like I, oh. yeah but I uh, being a teen is weird being a teen is weird yeah it's, <laughs> it's weird and awkward anyway and yeah the straight girls are all looking at each other making comments and yeah like, we're the only ones that are like looking down and yeah. not really trying to do that did you come out to your parents at that time um no so oh my parents is a long story so my <laughs> this is so here's a lesson on what not to do with parenting so my mother she put a key tracking keystroke tracking software on the like family computer that I was always on because I was like a huge internet nerd. So there was some point, there was like a friend of a friend. So there was one girl who was from like summer camp that I met. And then she was like, oh, you'd probably like this one friend. And then me and this other friend who actually I never met in person, which was funny, but like we would talk to each other about our like feelings regarding women. And I remember there was at some point where I was like, oh, I think I'm bi. And then I like later when I identified as bi, I was like, oh, I am. So my mom knew about it from that just from reading the keystrokes and then but so she, she went back and read through like every keystroke that seems like a lot of work i agree <laughs> and i'm like you could just have talked to your daughter but yeah it's fine. that's um, also an option <laughs> yeah so she did that so she knew i was interested in women earlier on and she when i was like about to graduate high school she like confronted me and was like i know you did this and also earlier so before i was like i want to start a gsa and she was like are you are you gay kendra and i was like no <laughs> i just want to support people it's just a really important thing to me <laughs> yes yeah so that's how my mom figured out and she like mentioned it in off passing to my dad but my dad was like, okay not not like critical of me being interested in women but just kind of like why I think he was critical of how my mom found out so he was like okay so she didn't tell him she was doing all this I think she she might have I'm not sure or she was like telling him a story he's like wait a minute how do you know she's like oh this keystroke thing I have and he was like wait 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 yeah like wait (laughs) hold on so I told my dad so I came out to my dad as gay actually like pretty recently but it probably was like I feel like it's kind of obvious I'm also the type of person where I like if I try to hold a secret is I think especially regarding like being queer like I tried to be not obvious and I'd just be like wow like this girl is so pretty on like social media or whatever and then that's how a lot of my outs not outside of my friend group but kind of the people I wasn't the closest friends with but like who ran in my circles found out I was gay because on tumblr I would just be like oh wow this girl's cute and they're like Kendra it's fine I think most of my family like suspected and didn't mind but I told my dad when I was 
dating someone last year was yeah last year uh in april and he was like cool and then he was like oh is she black (laughs) (laughs) which is a true concern for (laughs) black families but yeah so so yeah but i like that he treated you like like whether you had said oh i'm dating a a man or i'm dating a woman that's the same response he would have had yes exactly yeah and it was fun like it's not that my dad doesn't want me to date white people at all i just grew up in mostly white town so i think my parents were always cautious of my potential dating mates because there were like not that many black people in my town but yeah like my dad is very accepting and he like met this person who i was dating at the time and it was fine it was great yeah it was cool yeah it was chill yeah he yeah i feel like my dad is like very 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 chill about it and like remains being loved he's also seen my stand-up and like i as you saw yesterday like not all of my set is about being gay and I feel like I have more jokes about other parts of my life or whatever, but there's a considerable chunk and he watched it. I was trying to ask him like, Oh, what tape should I send like bookers? And he was like, Oh, that one where you're wearing nice. And he like heard me tell jokes about cunnilinguists and he just like sat through it. So he's a, he's a good guy. How do you feel? Cause I, and I know we're at a queer comedy festival and this yeah. might be a weird question to ask seeing that we are at a queer comedy festival, but do you yeah. worry about being identified as like a queer comic versus a comic? Is that uh, play any concern in your life? It doesn't at this point. So this is actually the first other than like one show I did in New York city. This is, or no, I guess I've done like two shows that were explicitly like LGBT. Most of the shows I've done where I am in Connecticut, it. Sorry for burping. That was uncouth. Uh, I mean, where I am in Connecticut, there's not... You're not in Connecticut anymore. You can burp. Oh, thank you. (laughs) Yeah, there's not a lot of comics who are not straight. And so I never really worried about that. And also, I feel like at this point in the scene, people have heard my joke. People know that I have jokes about not just being gay. Even When I first started, I talked a lot about being gay because I didn't want people to hit on me, which mostly worked yeah, and like that's fair but does that always yeah. stop them yeah it doesn't always stop them but they like i don't know i'm i feel lucky that they kind of backed off or not backed or like it seems like people are like do not hit on kendra because she'll probably be snarky <laughs> yeah so i uh i feel like i mean there's a lot of comics where i feel like they do a lot of specifically lgbt queer shows or not like more than i have which so far, I mean, I have some shows later in this festival, but so far I've done three out of like m- the many other shows. And I feel like it's probably actually kind of good to be, to have a little bit of a audience, automatic audience, I guess. So I was thinking about like trying to reach out for like more specific shows in that regard. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not worried about it because I'm thinking of like comics. So just Tom, I don't know if you know about Just Tom. So they are based out of New York and they they do a lot of stuff about their Asian identity um, and also being queer. And they, so they get gigs at colleges talking about being Asian. And then they also get like New York bar shows. It's not like they're all, it's not like they have to talk about being Asian and queer all the time. It seems like a mix. So, and it's always nice to get paid. So I'm like, okay, if this is like a, and actually, all the queer events I've done, I've gotten paid. Oh. So I'm like, okay, the gays are looking out for each other. <laughs> yeah, we know how to do it. And <laughs> <laughs> we're about to get free pizza tonight. Exactly. Yes. I, I always think it's weird. I've had a bunch of shows, and they're just like at bars or whatever, and yeah. I do my shows, and I 
in all of my sets at some point, I usually mention being gay or there's a, a gay adjacent joke, you know, mm-hmm. where it's like, yeah. it's not the main part of the joke, but part of the joke is like me and my girlfriend did this. So it's yeah. like, got it. And then um, after the show is like, I'll be at the bar and some guy will be like, let's do shots together. And I'm like, I, I don't know what this <laughs> is, but I know you heard me say I'm gay and I have a girlfriend. So, you know, okay. And I always, <laughs> if I want to drink it, if I don't want to drink it, I'm like, nope. But if I feel like drinking or I'm already drinking, I'm like, yeah, yeah. we're doing this. And yeah. it's always been cool, but I'm always like do you want to be like my friend or are you trying to like work your way into this or like yeah what's going on yeah and I think it's natural to have that barrier up yeah but you still offered so yeah I'm like I'll take your shot but that doesn't mean I am interested in talking to you it just means I like alcohol (laughs) yeah and it means you offered yeah exactly yeah with performing being queer in comedy I like so I, I I mean at that point I was out to like everyone when I started comedy, I was out to everyone and, uh, like, my friends, workspace, or, like, not not quite everyone, every, but, like, yeah. people. I, I'm lucky that I live, I work in a very friendly space where, like, there's a lot of people who are open with their sexualities and it's like, okay. Yeah, so I was just like, yeah, I'm going to talk about this and try to get less people to get on <laughs> it. Yeah, so you said when you went to college, you were like, I'm all, I'm out, I'm not going back yeah, in. Yeah, yeah. And how was that? I, I missed, yeah. I came out after college and I'm always like, oh, how was college when you were out? <laughs> I want to know. It was, I mean, it was kind of messy, but I think college usually is no matter yeah. what your sexuality. I had a good time. Yeah, it was cool. There wasn't that. So Yale is known as the gay Ivy, but like a gay guy Ivy. And oh, really? there's a lot of... I did not know that. Yeah. So there's a joke at Yale that's like one in four, maybe more regarding the percentage of gay guys. Um, and it was pretty, it was pretty, there was a lot of gay guys. But I also like didn't hang out with uh, athletes or like I hung out with theater kids. Yeah, but it was pretty. So the sapphic women at Yale were not as prominent but I still was like in relationships or like one relationship I guess and hooked up with people during the time so that's cool and when when did you get into comedy I was in a sketch comedy group throughout college because I realized pretty early on I was like oh I want to like pursue comedy I had been doing theater throughout high school but I was like oh I want to do like comedy specifically so I was in a sketch comedy group and I think I think we were like pretty good for a bunch of rough and tumble twenty year olds. What were y'all called? A sphincter. <laughs> and it was called sphincter because it was an all women's comedy group, and we wanted a name. So I joined after the group was already established. But apparently, the founders wanted a name where people like paid attention because I think you know, like when you think of all female comedy. A lot. I mean, here, I think people would be excited, but a lot of people would be like, oh, they're just going to talk about periods. Yeah. Um, so we wanted a name that would grab attention. That definitely and, grabs attention. Yes. I still have a shirt that says Sphincter Troop, and it's great. And then after that, I did a little, so I did a little bit of stand-up during college as well, but not as much as sketch. I did stand-up maybe five times throughout me being an undergrad and it was also like Yale is a stressful place. So you're like trying to like do 20 different projects. I was trying to do, trying to like get good grades. Yeah. Uh, and graduate from fucking Yale. Yeah. And like do that. And then also I was volunteering at different places. I was like always had some sort of theater project. And then once Sphincter got off more than it was, See, which is a awesome. funny thing to say. This is uh, awesome. <laughs> I was always doing like comedy there. So I didn't really have a lot of time. Um, and then I went to India 
for a study abroad program, came back, and I was like, oh, let me try a little bit of comedy. And I did it, like, very intensely for a summer three years ago, stand-up comedy. And then and then I got a job, and I was like, I have no time. <laughs> and then, so I've actually, this, I guess, I've only really been doing comedy, like, 15 months, or, like, stand-up, specifically. Okay. Uh, that's that's a very long way to say I've been doing it yeah. for 15 months. <laughs> um, but, yeah, that's, so I was always kind of, like, interested in it. I think, do you remember your first set? I, it's on, um, I think it's on my computer. It's not good. So your mom has had the keystrokes for no, it? No, no, it's on, it's, it was on my uh, college computer, which she did not have access to. Are you to. sure? <laughs> yes. Um, There's more advanced technology. She can remote in that shit now. You're probably right, but I, it's a problem when I you're know. an only child. She can focus all of her attention <laughs> on you. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, it was, it was fine. I remember people really liked my first set and I tried to recreate that and I did not feel as funny for the rest of the sets I did in college. And there's maybe one, there's maybe one joke I could use now from that first set because that first set was not great. (laughs) (laughs) None of our first sets were great. Exactly, yeah. But how'd you feel? Like, was it exciting and invigorating or were you like, nah? I Yeah, I was really excited. I really enjoyed it. I mean, I think... If comedians want to be honest, we all just love attention. So I was very happy that I got attention after it. And people were like, oh, that was good. That was funny. Yeah, we're literally Um, like no background, no music, just my voice and a microphone. Yeah, Yeah, exactly. (laughs) So, yeah, I did feel good after it. I felt good that people like support like said I was funny. And uh, I've been just trying to do that ever since. Get that same feeling. Have you ever had any like bad stage experiences or heckles, assholes in the audience that want to talk to you during, sometimes it's not even heckles. Sometimes they're like, oh, that's interesting. Now I'm going to tell you my, like, I've had people do that in the middle of my set. And I'm like, and I honestly, I had to learn not to be like that when I first started comedy because I think, and also like, I wonder how much of it is a cultural difference. Because if you go into like black rooms, there's more of a, I think the crowd is allowed to respond a little more than a lot of rooms that like where there's where it's not doesn't it's not a black room, I guess. I don't know how else to quantify it, even if there are black people in the audience. So there and also I just like talking. I also so I recently I was recently diagnosed with ADD and I found out that one of the symptoms of it is interrupting people. So I so like there is definitely a stage when I first started where I like wanted to respond and I need to be like, no, you cannot. And I would like just murder something to myself to like get it out. You're just like squeezing your fist in a ball. Yeah, like don't yeah. fucking say it. <laughs> yeah. Like, and I, I knew it was obnoxious, which is why I like slowed it down. But you know, it's my first inclination is usually to respond, especially if it's something like stupid. That was hard for me. If, I'm I'm a nerd and a little bit of an asshole. So if someone said something that was like not historically accurate, I'd be like, Jesus wasn't killed by the Jews. He was killed by the Romans, <laughs> dickweed. And no one cares. But I just felt like that was very important. I think I do yeah. the thing, though, where after they're set, I'm like, I really hate to bother you. But yeah, I should. That was not correct. Or this. And I should do that. I should do that. You're right. I I, it's not that. helpful because they don't want to hear it. Yeah. You know, I've never had anybody be like, thank you. Yeah, no, you're right. They I, don't want to hear it, but I would still want to say yeah, it to them. Yeah, because I still want them. Because I, I actually feel better. I'm like, now you know. So if you go out there and do this, like, at least you have the information. Because my yeah. worry is, I'm like, they just don't have the information. Yeah. And maybe if they have the information, that'll help them. But mm-hmm. it's like, they don't want the information. Yeah, so sometimes people have huckled 
me a little bit. There was one show I did where, like, throughout the entire show, one dude kept on saying Dilly Dilly, like the Bud Light commercial. Oh, yeah. I was like, what the fuck is that? Yeah. I, I didn't know it was from a Bud Light commercial at the time. And I um, threatened to disappear him when I was on stage. And everyone in the audience clapped, like, in support <laughs> of that. And then he kind of, like, calmed down. That's what's good when, like... <laughs> When you have a heckler, but also the audience hates that person. Yes. Because most of the time they do. Most of the time the audience is like, we actually were paying attention and we want to hear what this person says and we don't want them to have to stop doing their set to go address this person. Yeah. Especially if it's somebody that just says the same thing. Because there's hecklers that just say the same thing over and over. They just yell things. Sometimes you don't even know what the fuck they're saying. Yeah. Yeah. And the whole audience is like, get them out. So if you can get the audience on your side, that's, that's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I think I have gotten better with, like, fucking with people in the audience or, like, potential. There's also, so doing education, I wonder how much of it is, like, giving the right stare and just being like, I know you want to say something, (laughs) but I'm not going to let you anyway. (laughs) And just shut it down. Yeah. um, But that was definitely a skill that that I needed to hone over my time doing comedy. So Yeah, no, it's a tough one. And I still, I, I do this thing where I just guilt people. I'm just like, I worked really hard. (laughs) on the set and i would like to do this i should be like a teacher though where i'm like we'll take questions after yeah 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 there was once where i was doing a show and there's these dudes talking and there's like one so when i come out usually i say it in a vulgar way so that people like start paying attention and they kept talking and i thought i was like after i said pussy i thought you would pay attention but you're still talking what are you talking about (laughs) what are you talking about and the dude apologize to me (laughs) that's the way to do it yeah 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 (laughs) yeah well uh let let people know where can we find you i am on instagram as unamused black girl that is uh no spaces spelled conventionally so no weird spelling i have a facebook page facebook does weird stuff with pages though where they like it's hard to see so usually my stuff is on instagram I've been traveling a little bit more, so hopefully I'll be in your area. So I'm in the She Makes Me Laugh Comedy Festival in New York City, and that's at the People's Improv Theater, and that's in October. Yeah, but I'm usually bopping around New England, so... Yeah, well, yeah. if you ever come to New Orleans, we'd you know love to have you on a Thank show. You. Thanks. Thanks. Same for- to you and yeah. Connecticut. If you ever want to go into the <laughs> hell of Connecticut. <laughs> I, maybe one day. I don't know. I've never... <laughs> I only went, I went to Connecticut once, but it was to go to a casino. And I'm sorry. I know. I know. But I won like $600. Oh, so that was good. Okay. Th- that was well worth it. But um, yeah. I don't think I really saw Connecticut. So I don't think that's a fair representation. There's a, it's not that much to say. And I want to say it was a Trump. This was way before, but I want to say it was a Trump casino. And Ooh. does he have one in Connecticut? Uh, there's, the ones I know of are Foxwoods and Mohegan Sun. And I feel like he could. Foxwoods. Okay. All right. Is that his? I wouldn't know. Well, I took his money if it was. <laughs> Thank God. Because I walked away with... No, I actually... <laughs> I walked in, I went to a video poker machine, and I put in $20, and I put max bet, which is usually five credits. Yeah. And this one, for some reason, was like 25 credits, oh, and damn. I hit something. Like, on oh, the first thing. And you I was are like, lucky. Thank the Lord that I don't know exists, because <laughs> I was just like, if I would have, that would have been like a, I don't know, like a $5 bet or something that I'm like, yeah. a $6. I'm like, I'm not ready. I wasn't ready for that kind of commitment to this machine. Yeah. But I also pushed the max bet button, and that's how they get you. Yes, I definitely could see that. I should take you to the casino just so, like, some of your luck will rub off on me, and I could, <laughs> I could win something. I, I haven't had that kind of luck since. So, <laughs> and that was over a decade ago. But yeah, thank yeah. you so much, Kendra, for being thank on you. the podcast. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I'll see you around all weekend. Yeah. All right, cool.
like this is a great looking room right now. In fact, everyone looks so good that like once I walked in, I was like, oh shit, I need to make my face. <laughs> I'm not my game because like she said, I live in Connecticut. There's a lot of white people and they don't know when your hair's fucked up or anything. So I like, so I've been just like walking around kind of looking a little raggedy and then I come here and I'm like, wow, everyone knows exactly when the last time I got my eyebrows done was. <laughs> white boys with Ivy League degrees and some dropped uh, rape charges, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's actually pretty diverse. Whenever I walk outside of my apartment, there's so many different flavors of blunt wraps on the sidewalk. <laughs> there's so much going on, yeah. Um, but yeah, the Connecticut Monday scene is, is pretty white, so I'm just really happy to be here. I don't even, I'm like, I'm not used to seeing so many great people in this one space. Um, I'm also a leftist, which I feel like I can't say where I am in Connecticut. I'm a leftist. Uh, uh, not related, but I also use a lot of my roommate stuff. Um, but uh, yeah, but I think a lot of people, so so being a leftist, as you all fucking know, I have to explain this in some bars where I am, but you know, I, I'm not for income inequality. I think it's not a great thing to have. Uh, so to stick it to the cause, I decided to become a comedian, so I would never have any wealth to hoard. <laughs> right? But I was watching this documentary, and they were talking about how, in the future, uh, a lot of people's jobs could actually just be done by robots. Um, but one of the jobs that can't be done by robots is jokes. So when everyone in here is being ruled by their robot overlords, and out on a job, you could come to me. Right? You could come to me. Yeah, so uh, a lot tell me a, a lot of people tell me I sound like I uh, I grew up in the suburbs. That's because I fucking did grow up in the suburbs. <laughs> so congrats if you figured that that the fuck out. Uh, but there's a little bit of a story. So actually, my parents are from Spanish Harlem. Is anyone from here? Oh, nice, nice, I love it. All right. So my parents are from Spanish Harlem, and they moved uh, to the suburbs of New York to have me. Uh, in Spanish Harlem, it, I love visiting my family there. It's such a great place, there's so much to do. The town I grew up in only had three things, right? It had a lake, a Chili's, and an opiate epidemic. <laughs> and the worst part is my parents moved me there to get me away from drugs, and I'm like, the drugs are just more expensive here. It costs $20 for a dime bag. I'm like, mom, really? <laughs> you know I can get that shit cheaper if like, I Metro North, you know. Uh, but, um, but I, uh, so, you know, growing up in the suburbs, you deal with a lot of problems of like racism, depression, all of that. But it's all okay because right now I have the best phone voice. I sound lighter than 50 miles out of Taylor's with <laughs> And it gets me whatever I want. Because people don't really care about your resume or whatever, they just care about whether you sound like a Jennifer instead of Janiqua on the phone. <laughs> I told that joke once, and there was a crowd of people who were just like, oh, and I'm like, y'all are the ones who know because you do it. That's why you're not laughing. That's why you're not laughing. Uh, but yeah, I'm black. Um, <laughs> so, has everyone here seen Black Panther, all of that? Ever, yes. So, I hope everyone is just blacking out with their colored friends. 
being black and doing everything. Like being black is great, other than like the three streets of incarceration, redlining, and Omarosa. <laughs> I'm having. Who's <laughs> like people laugh when people are like, shit, she mentioned Omarosa. I forgot about that bitch. <laughs> Um, 
the ripe old age of 25. Uh, um, and uh, I think a lot of people don't think of ADD as like a real disease, especially my parents' generation. My mom always, always said, like, there's no such thing as ADD, it's just bad kids. Uh, meanwhile, there are kids like joining Nazi groups, like they're after school clubs. But I'm the bad kid because I shake my leg when I do math problems. I don't understand how that works. Uh, but, um, but there are some differences between those with ADD and those without. For example, if you have ADD, you lose track of things really easily, right? So one way this affected my life was I lost my vibrator for two weeks. Uh, yeah, it was rough. And I was looking around my bedroom for it, because a vibrator isn't like a wallet where it goes with you everywhere, right? Like, it's either in your pussy or not. Or in, in you or not. And whatever orifice, your ear, I don't know where you want to put it. Um, but then two weeks later, I found it in the freezer next to a bag of kale. And my roommate didn't even say anything to me. That was the best part. She was like, I thought you were trying something new. And I was like, no, I was trying to masturbate. Yeah. Um, but uh, right now I'm, uh, I'm taking medication, so I'm on Adderall, but... Oh, thanks, thank you. I appreciate that. But I only take half of what I'm prescribed because I figure, like, okay, I... You know, my parents survived this crack epidemic in the 80s, right? I don't need to get addicted to white people crack now. And, uh, and now people ask me, like, wow, like, when you, you must be so brave to do comedy. How do you do it? It must be so scary to be on stage and do that. And I'm like, well, I am literally prescribed speed. And uh, that gives me a sense of confidence I have neither earned nor deserved. So I'm gonna run for president soon. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening. Thank you to Kendra Dossie for sharing her world with you. Special thank you to Jessa Fallon and Ryan Golub for your help producing and editing the show. You can find the live queer storytelling show, Greetings from Queer Mountain, in New Orleans, Austin, New York City, and coming soon to San Francisco. Check out our Facebook page for more information. Thank y'all! Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.